Greetings. Welcome to NAI Global's How's Biz podcast. I'm your host, Gary Marsh. Today's guest is Ari Solomon. He's a CCIM and an SIOR. Ari's with NAI Puget Sound Properties in, in the Seattle area. And why don't we start with Ari? Welcome, first of all. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Gary. It's nice for you to be here, and we'll see each other pretty soon at convention in Las Vegas. Um, where is the office located? There's, there's, you know, there's, there's Bellevue, there's Redmond, there's lots of key spots, Seattle itself. But where is the uh, Puget yeah. Sound Properties office? Yeah. Puget Sound Properties have two offices. We have an office in Bellevue, which is east of Lake Washington, separating Seattle from Bellevue. And then we have another office in Tacoma in the Port City. My office is in Bellevue. That's the main office where we have about 50 plus uh, brokers and support staff. Very well. And uh, Bellevue is you know, kind of where the, a lot of the tech companies are. Redmond certainly is where uh, Microsoft was founded and still is based, uh, I believe. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great area. And if you ever get to go in the fall, it's beautiful. Um, well, so... You're with, with uh, Puget Sound Properties. You joined the company as a principal in 1998. Uh, you have a business partner, Jeff Forsberg, I believe. Um, the reason you're featured on today's podcast, Ari, is you're once again one of NAI Global's top 10 producers. When I say once again, this isn't your first uh, time in this spot. You've been uh, really a top achiever and a top producer in the Pacific Northwest for a couple of decades including recognition from SIOR. I believe you've been uh, on multiple occasions the top industrial uh, broker in the Pacific Northwest. So you're, you're accomplished, you specialize in industrial properties. Um, anything that I, I forgot to uh, mention that, that's relevant to your career with uh, the company? The only thing I would mention is that in addition to working with Jeff Forsberg for almost 28 years, I also have a personal assistant named Patty Bell who I rely on a lot. And then I have two other people on my team, which are Connor Powell, who has been working with us for the past eight years, and Brett Matisk, who has been with us for four years. So it's a team approach, and we corroborate together on most of the deals with the help of Patty Bell. Well, well you're, you're a powerful team because the production speaks for itself. I think it's, I was going to save it for later in the conversation, Ari, but since you mentioned it, particularly if you've been with Jeff, uh, Jeff Forsberg for 28 years, obviously I'm doing the math. You've been with Puget Sound Properties for 25 now. Uh, where were the two of you prior to uh, joining the NEI brand? Yeah. So an interesting story. I started my career with a company called Novice Beggs and Simpson, who had offices in Portland and in Bellevue. I joined them in 1990. That was my first job right after college. And about four years later, I hired Jeff Forsberg, who at that time graduated a, and was an attorney and wanted to get into the real estate business. And ever since he's been with me for the last 28 years. Well, that's testimony to a, a, good, a good partnership. You must um, compliment each other what are some of your strengths and what are some of Jeff's so that how do you, you do compliment? Because a lot of listeners are on teams or they're, they should be thinking about forming them because they seem to be pretty successful. And, and this goes beyond the NEI global brand. I, I know some really great teams over at companies we don't need to mention, but your competitors, 
Um, but how do you and Jeff sort of complement each other and how do you divide duties? That's a great question. Uh, I, I have a passion for the business. I love to the real estate and it's something that I always wanted to do. So I'm fully engaged. I don't want to say 24 seven, but quite a bit uh, during the day and also in the evening. Jeff is extremely organized uh, person. And what the task that took me two weeks to do, for example, write a quarterly report, Jeff can finish in one day. So I've learned over the years that instead of me spending two weeks trying to write the report and you know, try to figure out if the vacancy is 4.42 or 4.43, I leave it up to Jeff and Jeff within one day can put it together instead of me spending two weeks trying to change it so many times. It, it working well with Jeff, you know, he sometimes stops me from doing running, showing a 400 square feet space. He said, what are you doing? You know, you don't have to go show it or oh, four o'clock in the afternoon. That's not the time to go show a space. So Jeff can be my, you know, advisor and put me in the right place and help me to be more uh, productive. Who would have thought you need to be corralled and kept in a lane, Ari? That's that's pretty remarkable. But I, I get it, though, when you're really service focused and oriented, uh, there's there's no stop and you need somebody to say, hey, wait a second, this may not be the best use of your time at this at this time. Exactly. And, and yeah, yeah, Jeff is very organized, very smart, you know, cool. I would just it's a deal. I'm going to go show it. If it's a space, I'm going to go meet with the client no matter what time. And Jeff is a little bit more, you know, reserved and so we complement each other well. Very well. And 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 we know Patty Bell is is largely admin, but we always know that there's way more to it. <laughs> um, but the other the other uh, uh, younger, I presume, I think they're men. You said uh, they've come on board. We used to call them runners, and when they first started, uh, I you probably still do in the office. Um, and they're, they start out, how did, you know, I'm curious because a lot of, the, again, the audience, uh, we always, it's a different mix. And I, if you, you can't disclose it, don't, but yeah. how did you start them on a compensation plan? And did you get them out of college as interns? And and now they're full-blown, you know, percentage that they're, you know, I don't know what the, the splits are. And that's, again, private, but how, how did it, oh, how did you I'm happy to share, you know, what, I like teaching and I actually, I've trained seven people in the company, started with Jeff Forsberg, or actually Camille Hayon, and almost everybody we have trained already became a, a partner in a company. With uh, both Connor Powell, as well as Brett Mattis, we put them first year on a salary, company paid one third of the salary, Jeff and I paid a, a, you know, two thirds of the salary, and after a year, we incorporated Connor into our team and is a, is a member of the team. With Brett, because Brett joined us just before the pandemic, we created a three-year uh, program. We put him on a salary for three years with incentives. And after three years, Brett became a, a full member of the team. So Jeff and I invest heavily in our people. We believe that the person that we hire will stay with the team for many years. And it's a long-term investment that uh, usually pays off really well for both parties. 
that's smart and it's it's you know you're demonstrating that there's not a formula there's different ways to do it and that's an important message for NAI global listeners uh, to bring young people on and train them and you know we've got to backfill ourselves where none of us are getting younger um so it's 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 good on you and Jeff Aria I'm, I'm and, and Gary I have to mention also Patty Bell you know she's been with our company for of oh, 27 plus years and she's fully she's licensed broker so what she can do for us and with her background and knowledge she should save us a lot of time and know what to do she prepare all the proposal for us she already interact with the clients and the clients love her so having somebody with a background with the knowledge with the ability to deal with clients on our behalf knowing how we work it's make us much more efficient uh, working with the clients. Oh, I bet. I mean, we often talk about institutional knowledge, but we, oft we often don't talk about institutional relationships. And so that's, you, you combine the two, and it's a powerful combination. Um, so that's amazing. Um, do the, uh, do Connor and Brett uh, still do some cold calling or how, how are you, I mean, cause you got a big, big machine now, a lot of mouths to feed. Gary, I still do cold calling. You cannot stop doing cold calling. Maybe it's become, it maybe you call it now warm calling, a referral, but you 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 have to continue call on clients uh, nonstop. And yes, both Connor and Brett uh, spent quite a bit of their time on the phone or personally calling on clients and bring new business to the to the group. Well, I love hearing that. It's music to our our salesperson's ears. We have been hearing each other on the NEI Global Logistics and Industrial Calls that Steve Pastor hosts for a year. And you obviously still have an accent from your home country. And I was going to ask you where you're from, but then I looked at your bio and, and I was um, not completely surprised to find out you were, you're not only from Israel, but you were a tank commander in the Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, so you're our, our first tank commander uh, on, on the podcast show. So um, we most most people most listeners will know that service is a requirement in, in Israel growing up uh, I don't know the detail though Ari is it when you're literally 18 or 19 or what's what's the specification um so in Israel it's a compulsory service both for men and for women after high school at the age of 18 uh, women serve for two years and male serve for three years unless you become an officer, which you have to sign for another year, just because of the time it takes to train you to become an officer. And talking about the, the service, I think the military service for me was the best uh, thing that happened to me and was a great preparation for real estate because in the Israeli military, Every soldier starts at the bottom. You don't go to an officer course the first day. You start as a, as a foot soldiers, or in my case, in a tank unit, you're either a, a tank driver, a shooter, or a loader, which load the ammunition. Everybody starts at the same level, and it's up to you to be promoted. So what the military service taught me that the harder you work, the harder you try, the better chances you get to advance. Everybody get the same chance. And 
in addition to learning discipline, you learn that if you try hard, you could be rewarded for your effort. And it was a great preparation for real estate because when I started in real estate, the first two years, over 30 brokers that were hired by Noah Spags and Simpson, along with me, left the business. It was almost a revolving door because it was during a recession and it was too difficult. And for me, it was not an option to quit. You just don't quit. That's something you learn in the military. You know, you always find a way to make it work. And this was not part of my vocabulary, quit. So I stayed and here I am 31 years later, 32 years later, still in the business. I love it. Well, it's, and it's great to hear, you know, the military, what you're describing is a merit-based, merit-based um, career path. And that's as it should be. You earn it and you go up in the chain and you, you have the next opportunity and and there you go. So I'm I'm happy to hear it. That's how it should be. I, there's been I've I've heard and maybe you can comment on it already. Uh, you don't see a lot of and this is U.S. mostly, but you don't see a lot of military men or women in commercial real estate. With what you said, it's a little surprising. You would think there'd be more of you. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really surprised. I know that NEI Global tried to have a special path for uh, soldiers that you know served in, in Iraq. I don't know what happened with the program, but I know we did try to incorporate the former service members into real estate. Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised. I mean, in, in our company, we have uh, two other Israelis, both of them serve in the military, both of them uh, work for us with NEI Purity and Properties. One was a paratrooper, the other one was in a different unit. So it's definitely a great preparation for commercial real estate. Um, when did you uh, emigrate to the United States and did you pick the University of Washington to, to pursue a degree in business administration or how'd that work out? I, I, as soon as I finished my um, military service in Israel, I worked in Israel for one year just to save money and so I can you know, attend University of Washington in Seattle. As a foreign student, I had to pay an outstate tuition for the duration of my of my uh, uh, school, so I had to kind of work, save the money before I came here. I came here in '84, and in '85 I enrolled into University of Washington. I chose business. Actually, I originally I wanted to be an architect, so that was my reason for coming here. But when I came here, I realized that the architectural program would have been five year program. And I was concerned that I might stay here. It'd been, you know, for five years. So I chose business because it was only four year program. And here we are 35 years later, I'm still here. So chose business was the right decision, loved marketing, love international business, and end up staying here in Seattle and, and never regret a day. Well, good for you. It's, uh, it's, I don't know if you believe in fate, but sometimes that's just the way it works. Um, you said international and, and you're an international uh, person by, by origin and birth and how you were raised. Do you have international clients uh, or are they pretty much all US based, mostly American? Most of my clients are a US based clients. Uh, yeah, both locally and, and nationally. Understood. 
Um, so you did answer one of the questions was how'd you end up in the real estate business? Well, no, you didn't really. Uh, you, you you got a degree in business administration, and then you got hired. I'm doing the math. If you started in '85, you graduated, and you said you went to work for Norris Beggs and Sim Simpson in 1990. How did how did that connection happen? How did you did you choose the real estate, or did you know that's an interesting it? part? Uh, when I was in the University of Washington, a graduate, you know, in marketing and international business, most of the companies that came to campus to interview were mostly out of uh, Seattle, the Midwest. And I wanted to be in sales, but I wanted to stay in, in, in Seattle. So I was looking for a, a job that would require local expertise, which is real estate, will provide me the financial uh, capability, you know, to advance without a glass ceiling. And I believe that the harder I work, you know, the better I will do in this business. So I chose real estate because I wanted to stay in Seattle. I wanted to work in mostly in the industrial market in logistics and warehousing and wanted to hopefully in the future develop, you know, our own building. So that's kind of why I chose real estate or after college. Okay, got it. Now, since we talked about how you um, and Jeff um, compensated Connor and Brett as newbies or runners, what was your structure? Was it straight commission or did uh, out of the gate? Or do you, re you recall what the arrangement was with Norris Beggs and Sim Simpson? When I, when I started in 1990, they gave me a $600 a advance for the first three months. And then I was on a straight commission. It was, you know, sink or swim, jump into the pool and start swimming. And, you know, that was the best thing that happened to me because I did not rely on a second job. I just worked long hours. I was working 65 hours a week just to, you know, accelerate the learning curve and, you know, become an expert sooner rather than later. So. It was the best thing that they've done for me. Well, you're you're reminding me of something I learned that there's there are cultures and families that still teach their children to swim by putting a rope around their stomach and throwing them in a river uh, or a lake. That's that's a little remarkable, but that certainly sounds like how you got started in the business. And here you are, so it clearly worked out. Uh, but it also speaks to the quit rate that you talked about with all the people that were hired when you were hired. Uh, that's that's tough. Not many people can make it. So. Um, it's a testimony to your young, your young, your young version of you, and how determined you were, and how hard you went after it. So Gary, I, I, I think that you know, if you look at your uh, job as a career, as a profession, not as a job, and you're willing to invest, and if you would like to be the best in what you do, you tend to take all the classes you can to become more knowledgeable. I mean, that's, for example, why I pursue CCIM and SIOR. I wanted to tell my client that I'm not just a generalist, that I'm specialized in investment. I've learned, and you, when you come and you work with me, there is expertise, it's not just general knowledge. And if you continue to advance and acquire knowledge, by necessity, sooner or later, you have better knowledge than your competitor, you are better equipped to help a client than your competitor. So you get the next business because you have more knowledge. 
well said. And and that's you know being there is one thing, but being, knowing what to do and when to do it and how to do it, it's super important for your client. And they rely on that expertise. Well, uh, we want to talk about uh, how you got to your level of success, but before we go there, I thought I'd share with the audience some of your clients, which read like a who's who from Fortune 500 companies. They include Boeing Realty Corp, DHL Worldwide Express, Steelcase, Formica Corp, Invesco, Prologis, Industrial Property Trust, Lowe's, Reef, LBA Real Realty. There are many others. Um, how have you been able to acquire such an impressive client list? I mean, so what are some of the nuanced ways you approach the business and, and how have you won the business over the years? You know, that's a, a very complicated question because it's not one answer. But when I started the business, I decided that I'm going to be part of a team. That's why I hired Jeff to work with me. We brought Patty Bell as an assistant. And we started, this is 26 or 27 years ago, to create a quarterly report that every quarter we keep updating and started to send to cl our clients many institutions and over the years those institutional clients started to rely on our report because our reports were very accurate we used to call the brokers to get the information the list comp the vacancy so when we wrote the report they were really accurate with very good information versus other companies will send their market research guy and he or she will get only part of the information. So we started with market report, we started with keeping track of vacancies, absorptions, lease comps, sales comps, and we built a very large database that we have keeping since the last 27 years. So that's what provided us expertise and knowledge when we went after listings. And then when we knew the market, when you call on a client and you know the vacancy, you know the list that expire, you can talk to your client in confidence and let them know what to expect. You provide them with your uh, previous experience of other spaces, what he or she should expect to get the next deal. And one thing led to another, and it was a lot of uh, referral from current clients to new clients recommending us to help them because of the work that we have done to, with those clients. Well, everyone likes referrals, but you earned it. You know, you're, you're speaking of an old school way of the brokerage business that's largely got, gone by the wayside with the paid reporting that we're getting from, uh, from CoStar and, and maybe some others, but, you know, really being boots on the ground and getting the comps and knowing what the deals were done and the spec specifications, that, that, was, uh, that was how it was done back in the day. So it's, it's, I'm not surprised to learn it led to your success. Well, the, uh, since you have worked with a lot of client, big clients, I, I'm wondering, Ari, does does the expectation get greater when you have bigger assignments, or the the name of the company on the door, the, your client that is, has such a uh, brand name that they expect even more from you than they would if it were a no name kind of business? You know, as much as I would like to say that we provide the same service to all the clients. I will say that the larger name clients expect more, um, and better, not better service, but more information. 
So we will keep track of labor rates. And the, the, the nice things about it that we are part of the NEI global network. So if I need to get information on any market in the United States, I will call my counterpart in another city and I can get the report about vacancies, absorptions, labor studies. So I can provide my client with the service and the type of reports that they are asking that some of the maybe local companies do not need. That, that makes sense. And since you mentioned it, uh, NEI colleagues in the NEI platform, has, has your team done much work outside of uh, the Seattle or Washington state area? Oh. I know you work Pacific Northwest. Quite a bit, quite a bit, Gary. Actually, NEI Treated Sun Properties is one of the top senders of business throughout the network. And we recently completed the deals in Dallas, Texas, in Portland, Oregon, in Chicago, Illinois, in Atlanta, in North Virginia, and I believe also was in Detroit. So in all those locations, we've used the NEI network to complete those deals. Yeah, we have we've done business uh, throughout the United States. Well, it's that's good to hear. That's that's the whole point, really. I mean, we're it's a it's a strong brand, but it's only made stronger by the ability to do inbound and outbound business. Um, back to you on a personal note. Um, we know from your youthful days that you were determined. Uh, coming out of the gate, that was a lot of your early success, but here you are, many years later, top producer again. Where do you get your drive from? How, how is it that you just keep going for excellence and, and work as hard as you do? You know, Gary, I, I think that, as I tell you, if you love what you do, it, it's a fun business. I mean, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I, don't, I think if I'm going to retire, I'm going to drive my wife nuts. I'm too hyper. I, I just love the competition. I love the knowledge. I love to compete and I love to be able to solve my clients some of their you know, concern or find solutions. What I do like about it is the creativity. Hmm. You know, you, you, the longer you've been in the business, you have seen a lot of variation for the deals. You can come up with creative solution. You can find solution or ideas to the client that, Maybe other brokers did not think about it. They were not aware of it, did not have the experience. And it's nice to suggest some ideas to clients and they take you upon your ideas and go with it. And then you see the results. So it's a fun business. It's nice to work on complicated deals and it's just a fun business to be. Well, there's a, there's a lot what you said. There's a lot of aspects to... Uh... The nature of the business and it's and you're you're certainly articulating them not to put you too much on the spot are you but uh, since you mentioned creative solutions uh, does anything come to mind on on uh, one of the deals you guys did last year that that was you're just stuck or whatever it was and someone went ah let's let's try this or do this well you know it's interesting uh also luck uh so there was a large piece of property over 300 acres that one of the major uh, commercial real estate company in the United States had for eight years. And unfortunately for them, they were not successful in bringing any buyer uh, or user for the site. So the local developer who I know well, I've done quite a bit of business, 
called me and he said, look, Aryeh, would you like to take over this uh, property? You know, we want to make a change. I talked to Jeff and Jeff said, Aryeh, why do you want to take this property? It's halfway between Seattle and Portland. I said, Jeff, it's, that's the next uh, frontier. We need to take it. Make a long story short, we took the listings. We worked very hard to create a new flyers, material, a site plan. And about eight months later, I'm talking to another developer and he's telling me that he's trying to buy another site to accommodate an 800,000 square feet user. So now I'm intrigued. I've not seen this uh, large user. So I researched and found out a broker who represents this user. I called the broker and I said, hey, I heard you're working with this 800,000 square feet. Why didn't you bring it to our site? And he said, well, two reasons. First, it's too far south. Second, we already have another location. I said to him, at least give me a chance to compete. So Arya, we already have a site. I said, no, you owe it to me. Give me a chance to compete. So he said, okay, looking for 800,000 square feet. I said, come on, give me the RFP or request for proposal. Finally, I bagged him. He said, okay, here is the RFP. So he gave me the RFP. I sent it to the developer. I said, we need to go after this uh, client. Make a long story short, I called the broker and said, your client needs some trailer parking. He said, yes, and it's 600. And I said to him, why would you go to another site that the land value is 25 bucks, come to our site and park the trailers on a $3 land. Okay, so now the broker thinking, I have a good point. And then I said to him, do you need to expand beyond 800? Oh yeah, we would love to grow to a million too. And then I said, why would you pay 20 bucks for the land if you can get it at ours at three bucks? So now I see the wheels are turning and he's thinking, make a long story short, we got a conference call with my developer, we send a proposal. We end up building a 1.2 million square feet for that client. We actually broke ground before we had the signed lease with the tenant because we wanted to make sure that the building will be completed on time. So we did a 10 year lease on 1.2 million square feet doing constructions before the building was completed. We already promoted this property to various institutions. By the time we closed on the building, we already sold it to an institution. So this particular site that the other group could not make, you know, did not, or not successful bringing tenant, we were able to do a 1.2 million square feet lease and sell it to an institution. And then four months later, we sold the 150 acres to another institution. We have left only with 69 acres left now. So this is something that, you know, you can say tenacity, knowing the market, trying to be creative, resulted in a very nice transaction or two transactions for both Jeff and I. Wow, that's that's the ultimate win-win. You, you uh, did an entire loop to where you had it leased up and sold concurrently almost. That's, that's amazing. Correct, yeah. Um, and but it also speaks to your tenacity. You didn't you didn't take the first no and say, okay, thanks. Talk to you later. Yeah, you 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 will not survive in real estate if you accept no. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, well, that's a great story. Um, 
So you you already talked about how you you and Jeff uh, divide duties and also with your other teams. Um, is there anything else that uh, any other deals that come to mind that either speak to your current marketplace? We didn't really talk about what's going on with the market. We we don't need to do that here. But um, any other transactions that you completed last year that late the fourth quarter, I should say, that kind of talked to how the market's uh, performing at this point? You know, I, I can say maybe a deal that did not materialize. You know, we worked with a user for 350,000 square feet. It was in the second quarter 2022. We actually were negotiating a lease on a building to be built for that user. And our client got cold feet and decided not to do the deal. We told the client he make a mistake that we were able to achieve an outstanding rate. And he says, no, I have to wait. The market's gonna crash. I'm gonna get a better deal. So we have to do what the client asks us. So we, the deal fell apart. Four months later, the same property was leased to another tenant at 7% higher rate than what we negotiated four months earlier. So the only thing we did is we just took the comb, sent it to the client and said, look, just to give an idea, you hope the market gonna go down, but unfortunately, here is the lease that was done on the same property we negotiated at 7% higher rate than what our team was able to negotiate for you. You know, it's nothing we could have done, but you know, it was kind of frustrating not to be able to complete a deal because the client believed he knows better so well, so it, I, I understand it, and, and um, you know the tea leaves certainly at whatever junction you were in the second quarter looked like uh, the, the the ships taken on water, if not going down. But as you and Steve and the other guys from the industrial calls have talked about, rates have just quadrupled in some submarkets, and and it's just a lack of supply with the great demand that's out there. So I'm not surprised to hear it. So yeah. I understand it, but again, that's uh, that's what happens. Well, we've enjoyed speaking with you about the real estate business, Ari. I want to wrap up and, and talk about, on a personal note, you're a, a football fan, or as we say in, in uh, the U.S. soccer. Um, you, you, you like some European uh, clubs? What, who do you like to follow? I love, I love European soccer. I was very fortunate enough to uh, attend the World Cup in Brazil eight years ago, and I went to the World Cup in Russia four years ago. I went several times to Europe, to England, to watch games there and to France, but uh, my team is Liverpool. Uh, you know, that's that's my team. All right, well, everyone has their loyalties. And then uh, regardless whether you're an Argentina fan or certainly I think all of us that like football or soccer, we're happy for Lionel Messi to, to win the World Cup a month ago, so. Gary, I'm telling you, I mean, Nobody was happier than me when Argentina won a World Cup when Leo Messi. I was fortunate about 11 years ago to be in Barcelona, to watch Barcelona play against Atletico Madrid. And at that time I said, I just want to watch Messi play and maybe he score one goal. Well, Barcelona won 3-0 against Atletico Madrid. Messi score all three goals. I said, you cannot write a movie like that. No one believed me except 
it, it happened 11 years ago and it's record. But I came to watch Messi play and left there with three goals. So it's something I will never forget. I bet not. Well, he's uh, he was magical at this World Cup and he's in his, what, low mid 30s. So 11 years ago and he was still young, his, his feet must have been alarmingly quick. So uh, a fun, a fun sportsman to watch. Well, good for you. You have something to be happy about. Uh, we're all happy about uh, Leo. Well, wrapping up, then uh, we'll be seeing you at the uh, convention coming up in, in Las Vegas. There'll be some industrial breakout meetings. I look forward to seeing you, Ari Solomon with NAI Puget Sound Properties in Washington State. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Gary. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. You too.